I've had to work seven days for a quite some period of time, you know, trying to get everything back on track, you know, post-pandemic, um, you know. But I enjoy it. I, I love what I do, Anthony, and I always have done. I mean, I've been cooking since four, I was 14 years of age. Um, I wouldn't know what else to do, to be honest with you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. In part two of our chat with Simon Sandal, he tells us about building the Aria brand with Matt Moran, the creation of Baronia Kitchen, and the day that changed his life forevermore. Do you have any stories of those sort of first interactions with Matt Moran that sort of swayed you to get on board for the Aria project? Oh, look, you know what? I, look, me and Matt are very alike. Um, you know, we have similar humours and... You know, is we've we just um, there's probably a lot of stories I can tell, and there are probably a lot of stories I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but mate, we we and even to this day, we're mate, we're very good friends, and I, I've got a lot of lot of time for Matt, and you know, a lot of people, you know, I know look at people like Matt and you know, they they judge him, but you know, Matt's Matt's one of the loveliest guys I know. Um, you know, he's very loyal, he's very respectful, um, he's very generous, um, which I've always respected with Matt, how generous he is. Um, he's a lot of fun, um, but at the same time, you know, he's a business owner, you know, and, and he'll put you in his place when you have to. So, you know, you, you, Matt's come from nothing and worked his way up, and, mate, if you if you can't respect people that, you know, just go out and have a, have a crack at it, you know, you you know, well, you know, it's it's you've got to recite. I mean, I me personally, I, I anybody that has a go, I I have the biggest admiration for them. You know what I mean? And you know, Matt came from like I say, came from nothing, and he's built himself a a, a small empire. And man, I have the biggest admiration for that. You know, um, that that can be so. But there you got there was some funny stories. I mean, you know, I, I worked in the early days. Um, you know, on the line with Matt and, you know, um, I spent a lot of time cleaning up after him, um, which, you know, um, which I'm sure he'll have a laugh and a joke when he hears this. Um, you know, but there, there was, look, there was, we, in the early days, we had this pastry chef called Sylvain and, you know, he was, he was a French guy and he was, mate, I learned a lot about desserts and pastries, um, Sorry, yeah. Um, desserts and pastries, and um, and taught me a lot about balance in pastry because you know he brought, um, which I hadn't seen in my career. He brought a lot of um, acidity levels to pastry, you know. And in the early days, it was just sweet on sweet on sweet, and you know, and, and for that reason, I probably never really enjoyed eating them um so he taught me a lot about balance in desserts um but he was also a comedian and we used to have a lot of fun and we, we used to get flogged in them early days you know we'd do like 600 covers a day um area and i can remember you know one time where yeah he'd, he'd, he'd do things like he'd come up 
mean, in the middle of service, and me and Matt would be, you know, either on the meat or the fish, cooking away, playing away, and it, it, Sylvain would walk up at like in the, at the busiest point, and he would have just squeezed a sponge over his head because he could see how sweating, how wet me and Matt were, and he'd walk up and he'd, he'd have this squeeze of sponge over his head, and he'd, he'd like walk up to us both and he'd look at us and go, "Do you need a help?" Do you need any? Do you need a hand, or do you need a cloth, or something? It's just you know, it would go up and pat my forehead, you know. And he's just like, I won't tell you what we said, but it was you know, we'd we'd laugh about it. It was just you know, there was and there was there was one time, and this this is this is hysterical. He, Matt's the 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 hood range went down, and we couldn't work out what was going on, and it was at the end of the night, and. Uh, Matt's on the stove looking at the hoods, working out what's going on. So Sylvain turned around to his first-year apprentice and said, can you take this bucket of hot soapy water and go and give it to Matt? He wants to clean the hoods. (laughs) (laughs) He walks up to Matt and goes, here, chef, here's some hot soapy water (laughs) to clean the hoods. Matt never cleaned the hoods. <laughs> so Matt's just looked at him and gone, and we're pissing ourselves. Oh, we're, we're, we're dying with laughter. Absolutely dying. You know, I won't tell you what Matt said, but it was, you know, it's just, you know, the things that, you know, the, the laugh and the jokes that you had. And, you know, yes, we were all working extremely hard and, you know, and enjoying it. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but it was just the things like that that sort of, you know, put a smile to you at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Aria is one of the most influential restaurants in Australia's history now, and you were there from the beginning. Do you have any stories of the challenges and sort of what it took to sort of bring it up to that level and um, receive so many accolades? Oh, look, it's hard work, you know, and I think, I think you know, it's... it's Hard work is probably the the most favourable work word. Um, you know, it's, it's not something. I mean, the problem is, you know, I don't know there's a problem, but you know, in them days, it was the culture was that you 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 worked and worked and worked to get it right, and 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 failure wasn't an option. You know, um, you know, there was a lot of lot of sweat, pain, and tears that you know that went on to, you know, look, we made mistakes, you know. I made a lot of personal mistakes myself, you know, and with Aria. You know, I can remember when, you know, I can't remember what year it was, but when we lost, we went down from um, two chef's hats to one chef's hat. I mean, that was, I can tell you now, was my personal responsibility. And, but at the same time, what it did, I can remember sitting at home, um, Wayne, because I never got an invite um, to the Good Food Awards in them days. Well, I just never got an invite, um, you know. But you know, you're waiting for the phone call. You're waiting for to see what the results were, and and you know, and, and I thought this is taking a bit long, and you know, eventually got the message that we'd lost the shifts out, and I, I, I can tell you now, I, I had tears in my eyes. I was absolutely devastated. You read the review and, you know, you can't help but take it personal, especially when it's something that you've done done yourself. But it was also a time where it changed my life and changed my career and, and made me more, 
more disciplined. And I thought I was pretty disciplined at that particular point in time. But, you know, I remember doing this entree at Ari and, and you know, and look, we had pressure points where, you you know, you, you're constantly trying to, you know, as everyone's in the industry, you're constantly trying to evolve and 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 come up and create and, and do new things. And, you know, this one time I did something and I knew in the back of my mind it wasn't right. And this particular time, you know, that I did it and, you know, let it go out and it happened to be a food, food reviewer. Um, and you know, I, I paid the 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 price for for letting it go, and you know, and it was at I suppose the time after that, and and ever since now, you know, if if I do something that if I have any doubt whatsoever, and this is what I try and teach my guys now, um, you know, never be afraid to create food, um, but first and foremost have the discipline in the back of your mind if you've got any doubt whatsoever that it doesn't feel right generally it's not right so don't just serve it for the sake of putting a special on or you know thinking that you're the new best thing if it doesn't feel right don't serve it because it will at some point bite you in the ass you know and and you know my disciplines from that um you know, and this is for me personally. I mean, look, we're in the restaurant game and you can't please all the people all the time. Um, but my my discipline from that, I think, has made me a better better cook. Um, you know, because if I doubt that, I don't put it on and I will pull it. I will pull it at the last minute. Tell us about your cooking then. Um, you know, the, the Aria pushed so many boundaries. Um, what, what was it like creating dishes and what was your approach during that era for Aria? Oh, look, I mean, you you know, I mean, you know, food is something that you're, you know, like I say, it's constantly evolving. You look into your peers, you look into where you're dining out, um, you know, you're looking to what's around you to, to get that inspiration. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, even like even now, it's just a constant evolution. I don't think I could ever sit down and just I mean yes there comes a point where you do sit down and you put pen to paper but for me it's it's an evolution you're constantly thinking about it you know you're constantly looking and I mean look with the exposure of you know social media and stuff you know whether you think it or not you are constantly absorbing stuff that gives you ideas you know um so in the, in the early days it was you know looking you know t- you know, obviously, you know, taking stuff that you've learned over the years and reinventing them. Um, you know, I don't think, I mean, yes, there's a few people out there that do reinvent the wheel. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's your training and, you you know, you, you're deriving stuff that's, you know, been a derivative of stuff that you've already learnt, you know what I mean, and turning it into something new and, you know, you might, you know, look, me personally coming to Australia, you know, there was all these, you know, products that, you know, and especially seafood um, that I hadn't seen before um, and the quality of seafood. So, you know, that on its own was, you know, massive for me, um, you know, um, because it was, you know, so much more abundant than what I was seeing in the UK. And look, you know, now, you know, there's certain products that when I go back to the UK, I look forward to um, trying and getting hold of and things like turbot, halibut, 
you know what I mean? So it's um, yeah. So it was just it's just a constant evolution. I'm, I'm to be honest with you. Your role uh, with Ari and the the group expanded quite dramatically in your time there, um, looking after multiple venues, including one that's made a huge impact, Chiswick. Um, tell us about that expansion of your role. Yeah, well, it, it sort of ch- it changed when um, you know Matt sort of took over. Um, Opera Bar, and then we took over um, what used to be Opera Point Events at Sydney Opera House, and I can, you know, sort of, you know, I was actually, I was at a point in my career, to be honest, where I was like, you know, am I done at Aria? Have I done my time? I think I was up to about six or seven years at that particular point, and, you know, I just needed a little bit of something, something else, and uh, I can remember them sort of, you know, talking about, you know, doing the catering at the opera house and I was like, don't do it, guys, don't do it. And anyway, I ended up somehow getting talked into um, going over to the opera house and, you know, building Aria Catering, which again became, you know, um, a phenomenal business um, and then sort of jumping in and, um, and helping to build Opera Bar and, you know, get some structure in place there and, and I suppose really I, that's where my role just sort of naturally gravitated into this into this group role um, with with Morsel at the time, and and you know, and then they started looking at um, the old Prunier site in uh, Woolara, which now is you know sits as Chiswick, and you know, and I can remember doing you know tastings at Opera Bar, and you know, and you know, Matt and Bruce used to sit down and. You know, they'd be eating the food and they'd be going, oh, this is this is the new one. This is the new one. And for a while, I didn't know anything about it. And and then, you know, Chiswick sort of got born and, you know, and it was this whole garden narrative and, you know, this beautiful restaurant. And, you know, that was – and to this day, I'll be very honest, Chiswick is one of my favourite restaurants in the whole of Sydney. Um, I love going there. I love the, the feel of it. You know, it's just you know, looking out onto the gardens and stuff. It was, it's, it's an incredible business, incredible, incredible restaurant. And you know, I suppose because I actually worked at Prunier's as well, um, helping Michael Moore at some point. So, you know, seeing, um, seeing, and that was just helping out for a few weeks here, there, and everywhere because you know I had a relationship with Michael from the Opera House days. Um, so. Um, you know, seeing it sort of grow into this amazing business to what it is today, it's just, and it just goes from strength to strength. So, you know, it's, it's, and, you know, and as does Aria. So, you know, there's, it's, it, you know, I do sit back and feel very proud of, you know, being a part of that original team of, you know, the creation and building it to where it is now. And, you know, and as I do with, you know, places like North Bondi Fish and and River Bar because, you know, my role sort of grew into you know, building them and Aria Brisbane and, you know, and, and you know, the River Bar and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it was a massive, massive experience for me and it was something I enjoyed, um, you know, at the highest level, you know, um, building all them great relationships with with you know staff and suppliers and you know and, and you know and creating some amazing restaurants being involved with uh, the likes of creations of the likes of Chiswick and North Bono Fish and does it change your approach to to cooking 
Um, do you know what it, it taught me? It taught me how to be. Um, it taught me how to change. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid of changing. Um, you know, having said that, I think the pandemic has taught everybody in the world that you know don't rest on your laurels and and change is good. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in you know in being able to be a little bit more diverse. So you know, going from two hats at Aria and then to the Opera House and you know doing the catering and then to Opera Bar. You know, I mean Opera Bar is just a phenomenal, phenomenal business and the the food that we used to um, pump out of that you know, out of a very high quality was, was phenomenal. So what it taught me is, is that it had to be a little bit clever with, you know, how you present a menu, how you, you build that menu, you know, what you put on the menu um, so that it's not just slaughtering the back of house to be able to produce it. Um, you know, so, you know, thinking on your feet and being able to be a little bit, you know, you know, and, and I suppose in a sense diversifying what I was what I was doing from, you know, from two hot food to then going to the catering. And it taught me, it taught me a lot, you know, but it was, it was a lot of self learning and thinking on my feet very quickly, you know? So, you know, I love, I love being thrown in the deep end. Um, I think, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm a better person, um, you know, when I'm being thrown in the shit, um, you know, I can think on my feet very quickly and I'm, I'm, I can react very quickly. I love solving problems as opposed to causing problems, um, you know. So, it's, it, it, you know, and then going to Chiswick where, and I suppose, look, Chiswick, a lot of the Chiswick food, to be honest, actually started in my kitchen at home, um, you know. Um, you know, and through little snippets of tastings and stuff, you know, because Chiswick was very sort of, you know, you know, that sharing culture and, you know, very sort of just fresh and just good, honest, home-cooked food, um, you know, which I, I, I enjoy. I enjoy cooking. I love eating, you know. So that's where the whole Chiswick thing sort of, you know, and then Pete Sullivan sort of came up with the garden um, narrative and, you know, and it sort of, it sort of just um, gradually sort of, you know, built into what it is today, you know. And, and it's like I said before, it's a, it's a phenomenal place to go eat um, and work, to be honest. Um, so yeah. Tell us about the decision to leave that that world and open a restaurant in the suburbs of your own. Oh look, you know, it, look, you know. You know, Morsel and Solitel sort of um, merged together. Um, my role grew um, even bigger. You know, I think I was looking after about 26 venues. Um, have, you know, I think it was about nearly 400 and 500 staff, kitchen staff under underneath me. Um, you know, I had at that point, um, I think it was about four group chefs. Um, so I was you know, managing a lot of people. Um, and it got to a point, whilst I enjoyed it, and again, there was lots of learning curves and, you know, and so on. And, you know, it was, you know, I was still working, you know, I sort of used to laugh that, you know, I'm the only chef in the group that works, you know, 16 hours a day that doesn't have a kitchen, you know what I mean? So, but at the same time, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I don't, you know, it was a very enjoyable time, but it just got to a point where, I wasn't. 
I, w- I wasn't cooking and, you know, there was a part of me, I felt a little bit empty, um, you know, and I just thought, you know what, I think I was about 43, 44 at the time and I just went, you know what, yes, they pay me a shitload of money and, yes, I enjoy it, but there's this emptiness of, you know, because all I'm doing is managing people, you know, and, you know, which some people like that and some people will naturally gravitate to that as they get older. But for me, I, the, the food wasn't – I wasn't getting as much engagement with food as I was prior to that. And I just went, you know what, if I don't jump ship now, as I get older – I'm going to have a red dot on my forehead because, you know, it's a salary that they might want to at some point get rid of. I don't know. There was lots of things going through my head at that particular point. And I just went, you know what, I've got to do something about this. I can't sit here thinking about it and it playing on my mind. So behind the scenes, I, you know, refinanced my house and set up ABMs and, um, you know, I didn't tell a soul about it. Um, not even my close friends, only my wife, um, because, you know, I knew how connected Matt was, that if it got out, you know, it, the, there could be other ramifications. Um, so I kept it really tight. And then one day, the, the day came, that I had to, had to make that, you know, that call. And I can remember parking at the Sydney Opera House and I've never told Matt this, I don't think anyway, but I came walking out through the um, car park and I've never felt so, I actually thought I was going to pass out. Um, And I'd called Matt and said, mate, can we have a chat? And I think, you know, from what he told me, he knew that that was coming. And um, I think the conversation lasted about eight minutes or it did last eight minutes. Um, and he sort of, you know, I've got to go. I goes, okay. And he goes, I've got to go and I've got to tell people. I was like, okay. Um, and I was, I, was, I, was, I was in shock for a few days, to be honest with you. Um, I'd actually done it. and um, But the decision was final regardless. You know, there was no trying to convince me to stay. I'd, I'd come too far to, you know, to stop. So the plan was then was, you know, as soon as that sort of came came public, um, I um, the the phone was going berserk. You know, it's just you know, it was you know, I decided basically what I was doing was setting up a consultancy business. You know, and I thought, well, if I can do this for multiple events with Matt, um, why can't I do it for myself? So the word got out, business went berserk and, you know, I ended up consulting for numerous people around the city and, you know, building, you know, some some other great venues, Um, you know, and then it sort of, but then that got to a point where that wasn't enough and, you know, I'd sort of engaged with um, Susan um, and Pete Sullivan to jump in on the consultancy business because that that sort of became a little bit bigger than Ben Hur that I couldn't I couldn't do it all on my own so um, we went from Pete Susan then we brought Jane um, this um, human resources person in then we brought a marketing person in um, so things were growing but still in the back of my mind I was like I want a restaurant I want to I want to get into it, you know, um, you know, whilst this was fun and it was, you know, 
diverse and I was traveling up north and I was traveling, you know, wherever over Sydney. It was just something I just needed, needed something for myself. So sort of went on the hunt for different spots and, you know, we'd moved over to, um, we'd moved over to Hunters Hill Gladesville area and, you know, we were renting on, um, oh no, I'd actually moved into, I'd moved into East Ryder at this particular point in time and all my kids went to Baronia Park Public School and, you know, I'd, I'd drop them off every morning um, at school and there was this place across the road called Il Bolognese and it was, it was an old Italian restaurant. And I used to look at it go, how the hell does this place stay alive? Because I never saw anybody in it. And I was just, you know, and then I sort of did a bit of research and, you know, the family had had it for like 42 years. So I'm sort of thinking to myself, you know, well, they must own the land because, you know, the, they wouldn't be paying anything because I'm trying to do the numbers of how it all stayed alive and I'd watch and I'd have a little sticky, you know, what's going on as I'm dropping the kids off or picking them up or whatever I was doing. I talked to my wife about it and then one day, um, you know, Tracy came 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 home and said, uh, there's a full lease sign on El Bolognese. And I was like, right. Awesome. So I got I goes, did you get the number? So I, I rang the number and I spoke to this guy called Ernie and um and I said, Mate, I see that you've got El Bolognese up for for lease and he said, Oh no, it's just well, we have, but it's just the left hand side where the where their old function room was. And I was like, ah, oh, that's shit. I said, all right, well, um, I said, oh, it doesn't matter. He goes, oh, why? What, what did you want to do? And I said, well, I want to build a restaurant. I want to reinvigorate the whole space. So I said, oh. I go, he goes, oh, yeah, they don't, they, they just want retail in there. No, you can't do food. And I said, oh, all right, we'll leave it then. He said, well, no, no, hang on a sec. Let's, um, let's, Let's not just end the conversation. The, the guy, the family that owned it, they sold it to some um, property guys and, you know, and he's just leasing it and his lease runs out this. And he said, let me have a chat to him, see if he'll sell it. And I was like, okay. Just left it at that. And uh, I think a couple of days later he, he came back and he said, mate, guy's prepared to sell it. And I was like, cool. And he goes, I goes, how much? And he he said a price, and I was like, Ernie, come on, man. You're a smart guy. We all know it's not worth that. I said, I said and he's only got a couple of years left on it. I said, you know, so we, we had a bit of banter and built a relationship, and uh, over the coming weeks, we, you know, we managed to, to, to do a deal, um, you know, and, you know, I suppose the rest is history, you know. Um, yeah. What have you loved about building your own restaurant um, in a community in the, in the suburbs after a career in the CBD? Oh, mate, do you know what? It was, you know, I got all excited and, you know, I was like, I mean, the great thing, I mean, look, you, you look at Brownie from the street level and you see the right-hand side and you see it's got this old-fashioned shop front and it, and it, it looks amazing. If it was just the standalone building on its own, I, I wouldn't have touched it because, as we all know, restaurants is a numbers game. Um, regardless of what we cook in there, if the numbers don't stack up, um, it, it, there's no point because you're, you know, and even more so in this market where things things are hard, you know, 
you know, cost of goods, labour, and all that sort of stuff. I would have never touched it. What the re- what what excited me about Barony was the you know we've got. 22, 21, 22 car park spaces out the back. I, I ended up building a garden, you know, um, and then we've got a building to the left-hand side, which is what they wanted to lease originally. Um, so it was a big space. So I, I knew in the back of my mind that there was growth, right? So initially when you're setting up any business, you know, that you, you've got a budget and, you know, we didn't quite have the budget to to do both sides so we were running the consultancy um out of the left-hand building and you know we built this beautiful space because we literally apart from the four walls um we had to take the roof off we had to gut the hole inside um and you know we we put a lot of money into it um so there's all these designs and you know and processes that we're going through and you know the, the normal stresses of you know of doing a business, which regardless of how many businesses you've opened, and I've opened up a lot over my career, Anthony, um, you know, they're, they're still there. You know, you still have the same anxieties and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what was a real game changer for me, Anthony? On So this is, we opened up in, in June 2018. Um, obviously, the build and the development was, you know, we were doing that you know, uh, a year before in, on, on February the 18th, um, uh, sorry, February the, um, 14th, is it Valentine's day? I should know that. Um, uh, I collapsed at home and thought I was having a heart attack. Um, and it was, you know, my, I've come from that lifestyle of, you know, you know, hospitality culture in the city and, you know, and I thought, you know, that I could still be drinking and carrying on like a pork chop. And I basically collapsed at home and thought I was having a heart attack. I had these abdominal pains. Um, you know, I couldn't speak and my, all my left hand side went and, you know, ambulance came, ended up rushing me off to ICU and, you know, I, I, basically was having a necrosing pancreatitis, which is basically where your pancreas starts to consume itself. So pancreas, pancreatitis is quite common from, you know, poor lifestyles, drinking a lot. Necrosing is actually life-threatening. And, you know, I mean, to this day, the the doctors can't believe that I actually survived it. So I've only actually got 20% of my pancreas left. Um, I was put on, um, I was in ICU for a few weeks and I was put on eight of the highest um, opioids known to men, tripping, hallucinating, you know, I lost, I think in, you know, two weeks of um, being hospitalised, you know, in the ICU I lost 18 kilos just through, you know, not eating and, you know, taking all these opioids and, um you know, in that time, Susan, you know, we we were designing, but we hadn't signed the lease. And then Susan came to me and, you know, said, look, you know, you need to sign this. I can't do this without you. Signed the lease in intensive care um, for Baronia. Um, look, do you know what? I, I, I sort of take my hat off to Susan and, you know, her, you know, commitment to, to me 
and the loyalty to me and and you know I'm forever grateful for her taking that you know that leap of faith to that I was even going to come out alive to be honest with you um you know you know, to, to going into to business with, with Baronia. So, you know, and then, you know, I eventually sort of got out of hospital and, you know, I was, I was on a lot of drugs for a long time. And um, I think because I know you came into the restaurant in the early days, um, I, I was on a lot of opioids um, at that time. Um, you know, my head wasn't probably in the in the best of spaces. It was, you know, it took a it took a long time to you know get off them. Um, which you know anybody you know we've all heard what these these things do to you. Um, I eventually got off them, um, and I can remember it was um, it was the eighteenth. That's where the eighteenth was getting confusing. On the eighteenth of November. Um, I got the all clear from my my doctor to start training, and I needed something because, you know, to go from, you know, that lifestyle, um, you know, and having a cellar at home, and you know, just being having the access to all these fine wines and fine wo- uh, food and all that sort of stuff, and being told you can't eat fatty foods and you can't drink, never drink alcohol again. Um, well, you can, but you run the risk of not waking up one day. Um, you know, and I, and I, and I, I, that night at home when it all happened, you know, I said goodbye to three of my kids. You know, that, you know, I, I'll be honest, I'm choking up talking about that, but, you know, that's, it's not something that you want to, you want to do in life, trust me. You know, when you're saying goodbye to your kids because you don't think you're going to survive, it's pretty, pretty epic. Um, you know, so, you know, it was, it was, it was challenging, you know. So, mate, being told that you can train and you can do something, you know, and, and it was, it was, that was life changing. The fact that I survived, you know, I had a very, very, very good friend of mine, you know, that, sort of help get me through all this and a guy called Ben Doyle he's he's very close mate and you know I, I owe a lot to this guy for mentally sort of you know helping for everything and as, as I did my wife as well my, my wife was f- fucking incredible to be honest with you um you know so it, it took a while so but then I got I learned a new vice and you know, I sort of, I suppose, reinvented myself. You know, this is, this is who I've got to be. I've been given a second chance to, you know, you know, be here. And you know, Baroni has sort of become my my my. As look, it was always my pride and joy, but it's become more of my pride and joy. And you know, it's it, it's a massive part of my life. And 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 so is exercise now. You know, I I I train at least five or six days a week um got into a lot of muay thai um you know i'd go and put myself on these you know i I got into this muay thai which is the thai kickboxing um after i got a little bit um well it's actually a funny story because i was starting getting into it and i was like um you know i was still on the opioids and stuff and i remember 
I needed, I, my head wasn't in the right space. And I remember seeing there's something on social media about these Muay Thai camps in, in Phuket, in the mountains of Phuket. And I can just remember booking it and didn't have any accommodation. Just booked the camp, booked my instructor twice a day um, and different classes. And I, I think I booked it for about 11 days. And I told um, Susan a week out and I, one of the guys in um, the manager, Anais, uh, you know, she, I think she had overheard me saying I'm going to Thailand to this, doing some kickboxing, but I forgot to tell my wife and yeah, I know, right. And she walked into the restaurant one day and Anais turned around to her and said, aren't you a loving wife? And she goes, what do you mean? She goes, well, you know, allowing your husband to go off to Thailand. And she goes, what are you talking about? And she goes, going off to do the kickboxing, and I wasn't around. And so Tracy's left all completely confused and bewildered. And I can remember getting home that night, and she turned around to me, and she goes, uh, have you got something to tell me? I went, no. Yeah. Like what? And she goes, Thailand? I goes, ah, oh, shit. And then I, everything resonated. You know, but I suppose... Why I'm saying it is my head was just, it was all over the place. So what it allowed me to do is go out and I'd literally turn off all social media. I'd train for seven hours a day. I'd run 10 kilometres, 10, 15 kilometres every day up the mountain. Um, and it was like a boot camp to reboot myself. Um, you know, I ended up going out there five or six times, um, getting into the mixed martial arts and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And... You know, I suppose the rest is history in a sense of now is is my culture is that, you know, and I need to every day is, is I have to train. Um, I'm not boxing much, but, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing my physical exercise every day. I get up at 4.45, go and do an hour, hour and a half training, and then come back, shower, and come to work. You've had the most extraordinary career and changes in your life as well. What do you love about what you do? Oh look, do you know what? I love I love the food industry. Um, you know, I love I love I love where Baroni is at. I love the you know, the fact that you know, that you know, I did make this choice to come to the suburbs and whilst you know, I, I, I feel bad for everybody in the city and, you know, how, and how it's impacted them and their lives. I'm very grateful that, you know, the timing um, of moving out here because, you know, it's, you know, regardless of the pandemic, it's been a good time to open up a restaurant in the suburbs. I love Baronia. I love where it's going. You know, I love, you know, we knew there was a market for, you know, for small functions. Um, so we then created Baronia Next Door. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always done the catering. It's been in my blood. Um, you know, I've launched Baronia Catering. Um, you know, my consultancy business is still going strong, um, which is Sandal & Co. Um, you know, so it's, you know, my, my, my life's, you know, I don't think... Whilst Barone, I, I love Barone, um, you know, and, and I don't think if I just did Barone, I'd be quite content. But the fact that we've got Barone next door in the catering and, you know, the bits and pieces I do with my consultancy business, it keeps my life um, quite diverse, you know. 
and gives me the satisfaction that I need, but still being able to, you know, I'm in the kitchen um, most days. Um, I've had to work seven days for quite some period of time, you know, trying to get everything back on track, you know, post-pandemic, um, you know. But I enjoy it. I, I love what I do, Anthony, and I always have done. I mean, I've been cooking since four, I was 14 years of age. Um, I wouldn't know what else to do, to be honest with you. Well, Simon, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a bit of your story. Um, congratulations on what you've built there. Um, please keep in touch and we'll definitely have to catch up again soon. Yeah, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Anthony. It's, um, yeah, thank you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.